Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. So you can pull your notes out for today's message if you want to do that today. We are glad that you are here, and I, uh, I wanted to kind of follow up on uh, <clears throat> some comments that Pastor Markle made last year, or last week rather. He he gave a powerful message about uh, the Old Testament prophet Jonah. If you didn't hear last Sunday's message, I really encourage you to go on the, uh, the, the website and to listen to the podcast of that message. It was, it was really a tremendous message where he talked about how Jonah was a prophet of God, but he attempted to do the will of God in his own terms. He attempted to do the will of God his own way. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that through the years from people. They say to me, well, we serve God our own way. Let me tell you something. Nobody serves God their own way. You either serve God or you don't. And you may think that you're doing it your own way, but the, the, the real important question is what does God accept? What does he accept from us? And so it's real important that we know what God accepts or what God expects from us as his people and that we serve him uh, his way, the way he wants us to serve him. And that's where the, the word of God comes in and so powerful for our lives. But, but uh, Marco talked about how Jonah, this Old Testament prophet, tried to serve God his own way and that led him into a, just a ton of trouble. And if you know the story of Jonah, you, you know he ended up in the belly of a whale, of great fish, the Bible calls it. And, and you know, all the problems that came from that. And that was a great message. And, and, and uh, Marco compared that to how we sometimes try to do the same thing. That our problem, and this is what Marco called that message, the problem. He said the problem is we're trying to do it. Do, we're trying to love God our way. We, we, we say we love God, but he doesn't have our whole heart. And that ends up in a lot of problems, just like it did for Jonah. So that's the problem, but what is the solution to the problem? Well, the solution is simple. The solution is simply turning or surrendering your life over completely to the control of the Holy Spirit within your life. That's the only way to keep you out of the problem. It's to have the power of the Spirit directing and guiding and infilling and empowering your life. Uh, today I want to start a brand new series with you that will take off kind of from what Pastor Marco talked about last week. Uh, a, a new series here in the month of May on the Holy Spirit that we're calling Simply Filled. And today I want to talk with you about how being filled is the solution to the problem. Paul the Apostle said in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, he said, be filled with the Spirit. And so in this verse he's talking about how we, we don't want to be so filled with the stuff of the world. The truth is we're bombarded by the stuff of the world all the time. 
We live in this world and we're bombarded by the, the world's values. We're bombarded by temptation. We're bombarded constantly from the worldly point of view. We must be filled with the Spirit in order to counteract that. And that's what he's talking about. Instead of allowing yourself just to be filled with the world, instead you've got to be filled with the Spirit. And here's what I want you to understand. This must be an intentional thing in your life. In other words, some people, I think, they, they, they look at the, the working of God in their life as, well, if God wants to do it, He can do it. But they don't ever seek for that. They don't ever hunger for that. They don't ever go after that in their lives. They just say, God, do in me whatever you want to do, and then they go on living their lives, and nothing ever changes, and they wonder why they don't have more power to overcome, more power for victory within your life. What he is saying here is, you and I have got to go after God. You and I have got to go after the power of God. The same way I went after that woman over there when I first met her and talked her into to marrying me almost 46 years ago, the same intensity of going after her, I have to go after God, in fact, even more so. Does that not just make sense? In fact, if I only went after her to get her to marry me and then I never went after her again, guess what, our marriage would have fallen apart. But I continue to go after her, to share my life with her. She continues to come after me, to share her life with me. That's so important in our relationship as husband and wife, but also as a, a, a believer to God. We have to go after God. He is coming after us. But if we're not interested, if we're filled with the stuff of the world, then we'll never know the power to overcome and we'll constantly be living in spiritual defeat. So what God is saying to us in this verse is instead of the stuff of the world being your priority, say, Jesus, I want more of you in my life and I'm going after it. I want more of you in my life and I'm seeking after that. And that must be our goal and our desire because that's the only solution to the problem. Now, going back to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 19 and 20 where Paul said, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. So what these verses now are saying is that the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that reanimated his dead body. He's been crucified, he's been brutally beaten, he's dead, he gives up his spirit. They put him in a tomb because he was dead, and they placed him in that tomb, but God didn't leave him in that tomb. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon his dead body three days later, and he rose from that grave, and he lives today as our ever-living Savior and Lord, and we never need to worry about whether our God is alive. He's out of that tomb. He rose from that grave. And what Paul is saying right here is the same power that pulled Jesus right out of that grave, reanimated his body, is the power that is available to you and to me through the Holy Spirit. And in verse 19, he says, the goal of this working of the Spirit in that first sentence is to help those who believe Him. 
The goal of the Spirit is to help you. That's an incredible statement right there, those two verses. The same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to help those who believe. And so Paul prays this prayer. And this is my prayer for you today. I pray that you will begin to understand this incredible, great power. You've got to have your eyes open to what God has for you. Because you won't see it in the natural. It'll come from the heart. And your eyes will begin to, to be open. And you'll begin to understand. And my prayer for you is Paul's prayer for you. It's God's prayer for you. That you'll begin to understand. And you begin to understand by saying, Jesus, open my heart. Jesus, open my mind. I want to understand everything that you have for my life. So God wants you to understand. He wants you to understand there's more than just salvation. Some of you have come to Christ and received him as your savior, but you're not living victoriously. You're being defeated constantly. You're under guilt all the time. He wants you to know that there is a power to help you beyond just salvation. Salvation is the most important thing, but you've got to go beyond that and get connected to the great power of God. God wants you to understand what that power is. So during this month of May, I want to take some time to talk with you about the Holy Spirit and his great power to help us. Now, I know that this is gonna be some new teaching for many of you here. So today, I wanna to just cover uh, some basics by answering just a couple of questions for you this morning. Some basic questions which will help you perhaps to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he can start doing in your life. And we'll talk about other aspects of the working of the Spirit as the month progresses. First of all, I wanna answer this question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Some of you may come from a tradition where you heard the word Holy Ghost. Is Holy Ghost the same as Holy Spirit? Why do we use Holy Spirit in this church? The church I came from or I grew up in used the word Holy Ghost. I will tell you that I grew up on the term Holy Ghost because that's uh, primarily found in the King James Version of the Bible is Holy Ghost. And so what, what's the difference between the two words? Well, they, they really are both English translations of one Greek word, and that word is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. Pneuma is how it's pronounced. And that word translated into English is either ghost or spirit. So why do we use the term Holy Spirit? Why do the newer translations use the word Holy Spirit and not Holy Ghost like the King James used to? Use. The reason for that is because ghost, as time has moved on, ghost has become greatly associated with like Halloween and goblins and, and, and demonic things and so forth, associated with the, the, the darker side of the occult. And so to give a, a more appropriate understanding to our, our new century minds, Many of the translators began using the word spirit instead of ghost. And so when we're talking about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, we're really talking the same language. It's just different terms that mean exactly the same thing. So I want to talk with you today about who the Holy Spirit is. And to answer that, I have to talk with you for just a minute about the nature of God a little bit about what the Bible teaches us about who God is. The first thing I would tell you about God 
is the Bible reveals that there is one God. There is only one God. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 and 5. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God is the only true God. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Now you have to remember that when this was given to Moses, that's who wrote the book of Deuteronomy, when this was given to Moses by the Lord, the people of that time believed that every nation had their, their own God. And so whichever God was on top at that particular time, that nation was on top at that particular time. Does that make sense? And so uh, for the Egyptians, the, the God of Ra, he was called Ra. He, when the Egyptian empire was so strong, Ra was considered the number one God out there. But God began to, the true God began to reveal to his people Israel upon their departure from e Egyptian slavery that all these different beliefs and different gods was all false. And that there was really only one God. And so that's what this verse is saying. And you notice that the word Lord is capitalized there. It's because it's an English translation of a, uh, 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 of a, a Hebrew word called Yahweh. And Y-A-W-A-H is how you spell that. Yahweh, which is oftentimes translated into English as Jehovah. And so what that saying is, listen Israel, Jehovah is our God, and he is the only God there is. So all the other gods are totally false beliefs. See, we live in this uh, inclusive society today. This is not a very PC verse. We live in this inclusive society today that says that as long as people are sincere, that's good enough. Leave them alone in whatever they want to believe. But the, what God is teaching us here is that you can be sincerely wrong. There is only one God, no matter what you want to believe, and all the other gods throughout the world are false. Jehovah, our God, is the only true God, and so love Jehovah with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. So there is only one God. The second thing I want to teach you from Scripture is that the, the, while there is only one God, He exists as three distinct persons, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's one God, eternally existent in three persons. That, that blows your, your mental gaskets a bit. That's hard to figure that one out. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, references the three persons who make up the one God. And it says here, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, so there you have the Son, and the love of God, this is a reference to the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, be with all of you. There you have the three persons of the one God. So he exists as one God in three persons. This is going to be important for you in just a few moments to grab a hold of this. The third thing that the Bible teaches us is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. He too is fully God. Just like the Father is fully God, just like the Son is fully God, all of this is really important if you're really going to have victory in your Christian life. The Holy Spirit is also fully God. Now I want to take you over to Acts chapter 5. Here we're talk, uh, the scripture talks about two believers by the name of Ananias and Sapphira 
who uh, follow the custom of what's kind of going on in the culture at that time. They are selling some of their property in order to, and taking the funds and supporting the poor. So that, that's what's going on in the church. The, the people are selling property, uh, either real estate kind of property or other type of property. They're selling it. They're bringing what they get from that and they're giving it to the apostles. And the apostles are distributing that money to help the poor. So these two people, by the name of Ananias and Sapphira, they come to the apostles and they say, this is, we sold some land and this is all the money we got for the sale of the land and now you can give that to the poor. And the Holy Spirit comes on Peter and says, they're lying. They're lying to you. And, that's, and so this is his response. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, I underline that part for a reason, and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold, did it not remain in your, your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Now look at this last part. You have not lied to man, but to God. So the first part, he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Next, he identifies that as lying to God. Now, the reason... I want you to fully understand what's going on here. The, the problem with Ananias and Sapphira was not that they held back part of, of the proceeds that they sold the property for. The problem was they lied about it. They said we gave it all. They wanted themselves to look good. We gave everything that we got from the sale of the property, and that wasn't true. They only gave part to God for the poor and kept back the other part for themselves. And Peter says, what you have done is lie to the Holy Spirit. You could, that's why he was saying here, uh, it, while it remained, verse 4, unsold, it was your own. You could do whatever you want with it. While it's unsold, yeah, I mean, be, just be honest is what he's saying here. But you've lied. And you've lied, not lied to us as apostles, you've lied to the Holy Spirit to make yourself look good. And that lie was a lie to God. So the Bible here is making it very clear that the Holy Spirit is God. A lie to the Holy Spirit is a lie to God. Now we call this concept of three, three persons the Trinity. You won't find the word Trinity in the Bible it's, it's a word that theologians have come up with to help describe a biblical idea. The word trinity literally means, as on the screen, three out of one or three in one. And we see that in the word tri equals three and unity as one means as one. So when referencing God, that means one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's who the, uh, the, the Trinity is. Now, because God is spirit, he does not possess a physical body like you and I do. Some people have really messed up the scripture that says that we are created in the image of God to mean that God has two ears, two eyes, a nose, two feet, two hands, so we physically are like God is physically. That is a total misunderstanding of what that, is, that scripture means. 
What that scripture means is God has placed an eternal spirit within us. As God is eternal, we are also eternal. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God has two ears and two eyes and a mouth. It does say he speaks with his mouth, but it's metaphorical. It's, it's not saying that he has a literal mouth. And so God does not possess a body like you and I do. And because of that, he's able to be what we refer to as omnipresent. Omni means all. So present means present. So you have all present, which means present everywhere at the same time. Now, he can be that because he's spirit and not body. If God had a physical body, he could not be present everywhere at the same time. When Jesus walked on the earth, he was in Jerusalem, but when he was in Jerusalem, he wasn't in Nazareth. You see? When he was in Nazareth, he wasn't in Galilee. He wasn't down by the Jordan. So he had a physical body, which means, just like you and me, he was present at a specific place at a specific time in his incarnated state, in his incarnation. He, he was limited to time and space just like you and I are. But as omnipresent, he is, not, he is able to be with us constantly, but not just with us. He's able to be inside of us. We become the temple of God because Jesus Christ cleanses us and now God comes to live within us. You see, in the Old Testament, the presence of God only stayed, the, the, the glorious presence of God only stayed in the tabernacle first and the temple second. Back in a room called the Holy of Holies. That's the only place where the Ark of the Covenant was. That the, that the presence of God rested uh, upon the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. When Jesus died, do you remember what happened? The curtain split in two. And that was God saying, no longer was he going to be limited inside a room. Now he's coming out to live inside of all of his people. And that means you and I have the power of this great God living inside of us all the time because he's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. So his presence fills us when we give our lives to Christ and when Jesus becomes our Savior, then we become the Holy of Holies, our hearts do, and we become the temple of God. And so that means that God is with us all the time. And knowing that the Spirit of the Lord is with us all the time is exciting because that means that whatever it is that you're going to face, you have God going with you. He doesn't just know about it. He is with you. He is in you. So when you go to the doctor's office, God is going with you. And when you go to work tomorrow, God is going with you. And when you drive down Bangor, hallelujah, God is driving with you. And you need that, amen? Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, religion teaches us that God's inside the building. Religion will teach you that you go to church and that's where God is. And that's where God lives. That's not Bible. In fact, it's absolutely 180 degrees different from what the Bible teaches. What God's telling you is that the almighty power of God is inside of us every single day of our lives as we live for him. We can live on a supernatural level. Hallelujah. I just love that. I don't have to just face it on my own. I can face it 
with him. And this I, I, I can tell you, you never need to fear what God's going to do in your life um, or what he desires to pour into your life. I've been in this for a long time. Carrie and I have, uh, well, this June will be our 44th consecutive year in full-time ministry, ministering to churches and congregations. And I can tell you, I, I have noticed that the devil has put some fear in the hearts of some believers of, about the Holy Spirit. In fact, some churches won't even teach about the Holy Spirit. I mean, he, he's, he's on the logo maybe, or he's in the doctrine, but they never talk about him. And, and I don't really know all the reasons for that, but I think one of the reasons might be that some Christians, some, some spirit-filled Christians, some, some Christians baptized in the Holy Spirit have, have left a very bad impression on who, on who the Holy Spirit is and what's he want, what he wants to do in the lives of people. I'm going to say something here because I'm retiring. <laughs> so there it is. Here it is. The truth is some spirit-filled believers, they act strange. They act weird. And they act like that's the Holy Spirit on them that's making them act that way. And it makes many of us nervous that if we really open our lives up to the Holy Spirit, we're going to end up acting strange too. Because that's how they acted, so it must be that the Spirit does that to people. Now, I want you to know, I'm not trying to be unkind here. I'm just talking about 44 years of experience. <clears throat> but I want, what I want you to know is those Christians, those Spirit-filled Christians who act weird... Um, those people are strange anyway. I'm, I mean it. If they were car salesmen, they'd be strange car salesmen, you know. But you wouldn't blame the car for the strangeness of the salesman. I mean, the car's still a valid car, it's still a good car. Maybe the salesman's a little bit, woo, he's a little out there. But you know what? I like the car, I'm going to buy it. And sometimes we blame God for the strangeness of some of his people. If they were lawyers, they'd be strange lawyers. Just because some people approach their spirit-filled lives in a weird way doesn't mean that that's the Holy Spirit's fault. They're just strange people. And they love God. And, and, and we love them and... But they're just strange. And we've learned to accept that. There are, there are just some strange people in the world. So what I'm saying is that you don't have to be afraid of letting God's Spirit really take control of your life because you've seen somebody else who really acted strange with it. I'm just here to give you some confidence that God is not going to make you any more odd than you already are. In fact... He might improve your situation just a little bit. He might help you out. <laughs> um, his purpose is only to help you. There's this thing that a lot of us in this church will know. I'll start it out and you'll finish it. God is good. All the time. All right. If you really believe that, then I want you to know 
that whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is good because he's God and God is good all the time and all the time God is good. All right. Now that brings me to this last question here real quickly. What will the Holy Spirit do for me? So why should I seek the Holy Spirit in my life? Well, Life Church believes and teaches that we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives on a daily basis, and perhaps now more than ever, because we face incredible opposition to our faith, our, our faith growing in our culture. We, we face incredible temptation today to live a pure life is difficult in the culture in which we, we live in the world today. And, you know, you look at it and you say, how in the world can I overcome? How, how can I handle this? Well, one thing for sure, you, you have to understand that you and I have a personal responsibility to make wise choices with our lives, to live by the principles of God's word. That's what will bring the blessings of God into your life. You follow God's word always. Make it the priority. You do what's right always. When it's easy, when it's hard, you do what's right. That brings the blessings of God. But the only way that you can do what's right is if you are empowered to do that. And that takes the working of the Spirit of God. We need the help of God. So the solution to the problem that Marco brought up last week is, is the Holy Spirit empowering us and helping us. Because on your own, you're no match for Satan. Jesus knew that, and that's why he said in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. What's he going to give us? Another helper. Another helper. The helper that Jesus is referring to here is the Holy Spirit. And the word helper actually means, uh, well, it's the word paraclete in the Greek, which probably you don't care about knowing that so much, but that word means one called alongside to help. And so... You know, when I'm, I'm trying to lift something that's too heavy and you come and help me, that's being a paraclete. In this sense, it's God helping us to do what we need to do, make decisions we need to make, giving us the power to say no to temptation, the power to live authentically for Christ. So Jesus is promising that he's going to send us this helper who will, who will be alongside us to help us always. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He has been sent to help us. Now, I will tell you sometime back in prayer, um, and I have to tell you the truth, I, I, was a, I was a bit frustrated. And I was praying for miracles in the lives of some of our people, especially people in our church that need to receive physical healing in their bodies. And I, I was just frustrated at their physical condition. I was frustrated at, at their health condition. And in that frustration, I said something, this is not a quote, but it was something like this. I said, Jesus, I believe if you were here today, you would walk right up to so-and-so and you would touch them and heal them right on the spot. Lord, I believe that. And I've said that with sincerity. And I, after reading the Gospels, I was just certain that Jesus would walk up to some of you and just heal you right there on the spot. And then it was like God hit me over the head of the frying pan. And it dawned on me, Jesus is here. He's not here physically, but he's here in the person of his spirit. 
Jesus is here through the Holy Spirit. In fact, oftentimes in the New Testament, you'll see the Holy Spirit referred to as the Spirit of Christ. So it, the Holy Spirit is Jesus moving and working in our lives. That's who He is. He's the presence of Jesus with each of us today, no matter no matter where you go or what you're facing in life, Jesus is with you through the Spirit. Now going back to John's Gospel again, in John 14, verse 16, you'll notice here that Jesus said that He would send another Helper. Another Helper. And the word another is from a Greek word which means one of the same kind. So just like Jesus, this other helper is going to come. He's just like Jesus. He's going to come and touch your, your life. Jesus is saying that the Spirit will be just like Him, except He won't have the limitations of being in a physical body in one place at one time. The Spirit can be everywhere and anywhere always. He'll be with you wherever you go. So what I want you to see here, folks, is that the Holy Spirit is not some diminished form of God. It's not like we've been stuck with the Holy Spirit today. And I know that maybe you haven't thought it that way, but sometimes we kind of live that way. I've had people say, well, I sure wish I would have lived during Jesus' day to be with Jesus and to hear Him speak and to see His miracles. I understand how people can feel that way, but it's like they think that they've been shortchanged because the disciples had Jesus in the flesh and all we've got is the Holy Spirit. But that's not true. The Holy Spirit is one of the same kind as Jesus. He's not inferior to Jesus. He's not a diminished form of God. He's as much God as the Father and Jesus are God. And He is here to dwell within us and to empower us to be overcomers in our Christian lives. So what will the Spirit do for you? Let me share. I'm going to give you 12 things real quick. They're not in your notes. You can write them down if you can keep up. But here, here we go, all right? Number one, He's going to bring salvation to your soul. You, you need salvation. You know why you're saved today if you are? It's because the Spirit drew you. It's because if God doesn't draw you, you cannot be saved. We must be drawn by the Spirit of God for us to come to that decision. He's going to make Jesus real in your life. I mean, the power of the Spirit is going to begin to reveal who Jesus is in your life. Number three, He'll guide you. He'll guide you in the decisions you need to make in your life. And I want to talk about this for just a minute. Because, as I've kind of referenced a little bit already, our church is facing a time of transition right now. Because you see, your senior pastor, well, actually it's more his wife, got out of the will of God. <laughs> and she put a lot of pressure on me and she says hey it's time for us to retire and I'm just kidding because I do believe it's time for us to retire after 44 years it's time for us to, to step aside and let others step into these positions but here's the reality this transition that's happening in the church and, and Father's Day will be our last Sunday here that makes us feel very uncertain so, man, I've had it asked me so many times, who's going to be our next pastor? Um, are you choosing that person? No, I'm not. You are choosing that person. And our process is that we have a board of deacons who will interview different individuals who've expressed interest or people they may know about and they'll reach out to. And, and 
and they'll interview these people and in prayerful consideration they will do the best job they can to determine who it is that they believe God wants them to present to you and that person will come Carrie and I did this 17 years ago the last Sunday of April so last week 17 years ago we came and did that very thing and we preached for this church and we presented our ministry and we shared what we're about as people and and then we prayerfully considered God do you want us to come to this church and then the congregation the members of the congregation uh, held a business meeting uh, on that Sunday evening and they and they cast a vote and they said is this the person that we feel uh, needs to come here and we got 94.2 percent of of the vote of the congregation and and so we believed that we were supposed to come and so that's how we ended up coming here and the same process is going to happen again somebody's going to come and present their ministry and you're going to prayerfully consider God is this the person that you want to be the pastor of this church so how will you know that he's the right one or not you know that through the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will guide you into this decision. So what I'm saying to you, you don't need to fear. You don't need to be upset and unsettled. In all, and maybe that's going too far. You're going to be upset and unsettled a little bit. But fall back into the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has been given to guide us in our personal lives and in, and, and in the process of this church finding a new pastor. And I thought to myself, well... I would imagine that the early disciples felt the same way when Judas betrayed Jesus, went out and hung himself. They probably said, well, good grief, one of the guys is gone now. Jesus is gone, one of our guys is gone, what in the world are we going to do, you know? And there could have been all those emotions, those fears, that unsettledness in their hearts, but the Holy Spirit spoke to those guys and said, pray about it, I'm going to guide and lead you to the right person, and Matthias is Acts chapter 1. Matthias becomes the, 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 the apostle to take the place of Judas. God's work never depends on one person. It doesn't. I mean, Pastor Smith spent years here, but Pastor Jim and Carrie came after them, and, and we built on the foundation that they laid. And then somebody's going to come after us, and they're going to build on the foundation that, that we have laid. And if Jesus tarries long enough, somebody else will come back and come after that and build on the foundation that they're going to be laying. See what I'm saying? It's how the Spirit guides us into His work. So God's work never depends on one person. He's going to guide you to the person that God wants here. So don't try to politic about this. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to push things. Let God guide and direct the process and trust that. Number four, he'll give you strength. He'll help you to be an overcomer. Number five, he'll give you victory over your addictions. Hallelujah. Number six, he'll give you victory over temptation. Number seven, he'll give you power to witness for Christ. Had one of the men in our church who was in the first service, came to me a few weeks ago and he said, you know, I have never been much of a witness for Christ. I'm retired now, and I just believe God wants me to do something. I'm going to get myself ready for this. I'm praying up, going to get prayed up on it, and I'm going door to door and witnessing for Jesus. He came up to report to me today how many people talked with him, and it was amazing. I think he said like 19 different homes opened their hearts to him sharing Christ. Just cold turkey walking up to a door, ringing a doorbell and sharing Christ with people. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of the Spirit working through his life. Number eight, he'll comfort you when you hit a crisis. We all hit him. We all hit him. 
You need to go to the doctor with more than just your checkbook. You need to go to the doctor with the, the power of the Spirit in your heart. Uh, he'll, he'll convict you when you get off track. See conviction as a good thing. Don't run from it. Ask God to help you. Uh, number 10, he'll open your eyes to the supernatural. You begin to see uh, God working in ways that increases your faith. Number 11, he'll bring miracles into your life. Healing and other things. And then number 12, through it all, he'll glorify Christ. Now, I believe the Spirit wants to glorify Christ in your life right now. Right now, today. So let me read it to you, Ephesians 1 again. Paul says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. He is, that power is available. So whatever you're facing, God's got all the power you need. The solution to your life is to be filled with the Spirit, to be touched by the miracle hand of God. I'm going to invite you to stand. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.